Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Keep It Renal podcast during lockdown two. There's some sort of Jaws reference we can get in there. Lockdown two, we're going to need a bigger house. Yeah, anyway, I hope you're all keeping well um, during this second lockdown. Um, What I'm going to bring to you today is a couple of interviews. So I put out a request on Twitter for any people who had been what's called an altruistic kidney donor. So that's where you decide to donate a kidney to a person that you don't know. If, like me, your reaction to that will be just astonishment at the sort of bravery and heroic nature of this this task to to give one of your vital organs to someone you don't even know like that is such a such a big gesture of kindness to the world um that i'm you know I'm, i'm actually sort of in awe of these people so in today's podcast we're going to be hearing from john castle and colin alexander brown each of whom has donated a kidney altruistically and we just talked through some of the implications the reasons behind that decision um, and how it sort of affected them so a little less from me and I will see you on the other side of the interviews. How on earth did it, did it come about that you ended up being an altruistic kidney donor? Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter all the time and I've seen a post from um, I think it was the mirror that was, uh, was talking about a nine-year-old girl I think it was nine-year-old um, who needed a kidney transplant um, and I'm not really sure why I looked into it, but for some reason or another, I actually um, I started finding out what it was like to have kidney disease. Because um, it, it was just one of them phrases, kidney disease, heart disease, um, never experienced it. It's just two words to me. And then I re- when I realized what it was like, where you're spending loads of time in hospital, like... Mm-hmm. days a week and you can't have a job or anything um obviously it's different for children uh and i I think i my cousin had a liver transplant once and that is the closest thing i've ever heard to to, to organ donation really but i had no idea you could just donate one to a stranger um and then didn't take me long to find out everything that was going on with it and, and that you could actually do it you were initially then quite excited by the chance to do something about this in some way for someone yeah yeah so um i thought oh, this is brilliant i started looking online um and there were actually a lot of people um out there asking for help asking for donors and i, I was quite close to messaging some of them and saying actually i'll be your donor and i'm very glad that i didn't um because i, I i'm sure once you tie yourself to someone it changes the whole experience. Uh, and one of the benefits to me was, I don't know this person. If something goes wrong, it's not like it's my sister or my girlfriend. Um, I don't have that tie. If I if I'm find out I'm not a match, you, you don't have any of those things. Yeah. It's kind of, here, here it is, um, don't, kind of don't bother me. <laughs> don't bother me anymore with it. So how did that work then? Is that like a charity that you just turn up to and say, look, can you test me or? No, um, I live near Middlesbrough, so James Cook University Hospital. Um, I rang them. I, I looked around to see which transplant centres were nearby, and it was Leeds and Newcastle. Um, so I think I rang the Freeman at Newcastle, and they said um, there's going to be a lot of tests which you can have done at James Cook in Middlesbrough. So I'll give them a call and um, 
start the ball rolling. And are they sort of surprised? Like, I can't imagine that's a phone call they get a lot. Or No, not really. No? Well, when I spoke to them, um, I think they'd said the previous year they might have had one or two people come through the door um, looking to donate to a stranger. So what do you know about where your, where your kidney is now? Uh, nothing, really. Okay. I don't know anything. Um, I know it went to a 30-year-old man at the time, and I know that he was very difficult to match um, because initially I was going on the, um, the paired scheme because my, my thought would be, uh, obviously, there's these people who want to donate to their family member, but they're not a match. So someone else will come forward and and they start the chain. Of course, you know all this. That they'll start that chain, um, and then I was I was seeing that there was chains that could be started, and five six people could be on it, but there's no one to begin that chain. Mm. So that that's what I went in for originally, um, and then they just rang up and said, "Oh, we found a match, and it's it's someone." Um, who has been really difficult to match. I don't know if they've had transplants before, but it um, it sounded like if it wasn't me, then they were out of luck. Yeah, I mean, people who are difficult to match, they'd either be difficult to match because it's their first transplant, but they have a particularly sort of rare combination of different, um, they call them haplotypes, which are like the um, areas of the genome that encode for like how our immune system recognises self. Um, so it either be they had a rare combination of those, or sometimes it can be that they've been sensitized, so they might have already had a transplant and then that's failed, so they have to be way more stringent on the. But I mean, either way, they they probably would have been on the waiting list for a while if they're saying that you know they were hard to match. So yeah, you sort of wiped that out for them. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but on the, on the flip side, um, when I was explaining it to my girlfriend, I was saying. Oh yeah, it was really hard to match. So lucky, lucky me. Uh, and she said, uh, "Well, doesn't that mean that you're going to be hard to match then if you need one?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, uh, I was yeah, there like, is that. Right, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> and is is that something you worry about? Because I, I know some people often see your. It, it doesn't quite work like this because often if you get a disease that affects one kidney, it's going to affect both of them anyway. Yeah. But do you worry? Do people talk about you not having your insurance policy now, so to speak? And is that something you worry about? No, not really. Um, yeah. The as as you say, if it affects one, chances are it'll affect them both. Yeah. Um, so the only thing I need to try to avoid is damaging it, car accidents, falling off a, <laughs> a house or something. Which I imagine you were trying to avoid anyway. Were you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so how did that conversation go with like your? girlfriend when you first like oh yeah just been on the internet and uh thinking about giving a kidney away um I can't really did she get it remember it now um not not really but right. it was it was it was kind of something i don't want to talk about it because i don't like the thought of it which to be fair everybody i speak to um e even organ donation after death it's not many people who want to talk about it that's no, tricky, isn't it? So, so, so bringing this up, um, I'm, I'm not really surprised with the with the knowledge and experience I've got now that she didn't want to talk about it, but she knew I was just gonna go ahead with it anyway. Yeah, yes, yeah, so it was one of those sort of 
not agree to disagree almost, but she knew it was important to you and just left you to it sort of thing. Yeah. 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 This might seem a really silly question to you, but do you feel any different? Would like would you would you know the difference? No. Um. I've always thought, apart from the scars, well, even if if someone came and told me that they opened me up and decided, nah, we can't be bothered taking it out, um, and then just sewed me back up, I, I still yeah. wouldn't feel any different. Yeah. Feel no different than I was before. Wow. And is it? Well, I suppose where do you go from there in terms of helping people? It's pretty much the probably one of the single oh, most big things you could do. But oh, I'm I'm done now. I'll, yeah. I'll oh, no, do, oh, don't get me wrong. I'll, 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 just, I'll yeah. just sit back and reap, reap the rewards. Well, I mean, given how positive you talk about it, I, pres- I presume you'd do it again, uh, given given a chance, sort of thing. Well, there's obviously. Um, there's people who've done a kidney and then also done a liver as well. Mm. I I don't actually know if I would be brave enough to go through it again. Yeah, well, that's, are, fair. Are, that's fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if I was going back in time and speaking to my former self, I'd be like, it's going to go as you expected, really. I, I expected it to be fine. Um, a bit of recovery time and it went pretty much like that. So did they offer you much sort of, is there any sort of psychological help along the way? And at the end, is it, did you find it was a, any, any sort of psychological sides to deal with? Or? Um, I had the psychological evaluation. Right. Um, uh, obviously with a psychologist, because I, I'm aware that there's people who come forward and they they don't realise what they're getting themselves in for. Yeah. And and they need to be protected from themselves. Yeah. So so you have to go through that. Um just just to rule certain people out so that they check my mental um stability and, and things like that. Um but with regards to coping through it, um not really. I guess they decide when they do the psych evaluation that this person is going to manage with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd see that you're sort of resilient enough to cope with it and, yeah. Yeah. It's it's so incredible. It's such a hard thing for me to sort of get my head around. So a little bit about me, I'm a, I'm a kidney scientist, so I'm not uh, I'm not a clinician, but I, I work on um, nephrotic syndrome and it's a condition, well, a particular sort of subset of the condition I work on, you often end up needing a transplant. Um and it's never—it's honestly never occurred to me that I could give a kidney. And what I'm trying to wrap my head around is my knee reaction, knee-jerk reaction to it is I want to keep my kidney in case any of my family need it. Yeah. And I'm—I don't know if that's selfish or not. So is it something we should be encouraging, or is it so personal that it's something you really have to come to on your own? Um. I think so. Um, <clears throat> I would, I'd, if, if it was me, I'd be, I'd be making it available and telling my story, but I don't think I would say to someone, yeah, you should do it. I'd say it's, I thought it was a really good thing to do. Um, it went fine. I feel fine, but it's totally your decision. Whereas uh, something like giving blood, I've I've tried to force loads of people into that. <laughs> you get free, you get free biscuits. 
Give them yeah. biscuits. Like if nothing yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> and they really lure you in with the um the different coloured cards as well. Yes, um, that's it. That's some... that's the only reason I keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got to get that gold one. Um <laughs> a whole new world to me. Have you ever been to the um the transplant games? But I saw people that had donor t-shirts on. Yeah. And they got treated like celebrities, like people were hugging them, patting them on the back, like strangers just going up to them and saying thank you. So if you need a if you need an ego boost or something, <laughs> so I'd definitely recommend it. Well, uh, well it's, it's, it's funny you should say that because when I was going through the things, they were saying um, uh, that the hospital were kind of saying, you shouldn't be doing this for attention because um, I'm, I'm not like that. Don't do it for attention or gratitude because basically no one will care. <laughs> like, really? Um, like you, you'll start telling your friends and your family and think, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm almost not interested in that kind of thing. So if, if someone was doing it for that reason, for the gratitude and everything, um, I think that would be a mistake because you've got to, you've got to live with that. Mm. And for, for, for five minutes of uh, a bit of fame, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not worth it. Um, oh, you sound, I was going to say, you sound like you've really got your head screwed on with it, that you're, you, you sort of really level-headed, knew what you were getting in for. Yeah. Did it. Well, I, 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 didn't, I didn't tell anyone I was going to do it at work. Um, I took two weeks off and then I was back afterwards. Um, apart from my, a couple of senior managers, nobody knew. And then when it came around to the being the transplant or organ donation week, um, a couple of the news companies wanted to do interviews and stuff. And I was really trying to push them away and say, can't someone else do it? And they were like, well, there isn't anyone like mm. from this area. So I reluctantly did it. And then obviously when I came into work the next day, everyone's like, I've seen you on the, on the news yesterday. I was like, oh yeah, don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I feel like there's a bit of a difference between putting yourself out, out there for adulation. And yet if a TV company, if it's organ week, then I feel like that's something completely different in that it's information and yeah. information that's like, yeah, you totally can give an organ if you want to. This guy did, you know, and he didn't even didn't even know the person sort of thing the, the weird thing was i thought I'll, I'll, I'll do this i'll i'll get it out there and hopefully some good will come from it um but all i seemed to get was a lot of pats on the back on facebook and things like that right uh and and i replied how does that make you that, feel yeah it feels good but part of me uh, like I, I replied to one of them said oh thanks for all the kind messages and everything but um please consider going on the organ donation register for, for when you die and things like that. Um, but no one wanted to talk about it. <laughs> All I yeah. wanted to do was say, uh, oh yeah, brilliant, well done. And I'm like, I didn't do it for this. <laughs> okay, so that was John. Um, astonishingly, only took him two, well, I was gonna say only took him two weeks to cut it. He certainly only took two weeks off. I think the main thing to take from John is that he doesn't want to be congratulated. He certainly doesn't see himself as a hero, um, but then most heroes don't, I would say. Um, he just wants other people to engage with the process, so I suppose we all just owe it to people like John just to, just to, just to think around the subject a little bit for ourselves. Okay, so without further ado, here's our second interview, uh, and that's with Colin. Enjoy. So what what sort of happened? What what was it that initially gave you thought that you could uh, you could give your kidney it away? It was uh, I was reading a, a news article on the BBC website, 
about someone who in the States needed a kidney and had done for years. And he got to the stage of when he was on holiday in Disney World, had the t-shirt printed up with basically, I need a kidney if you can be a donor, here's my contact details. So he's sort of advertising himself that way. And yeah. it was reading that story um, made the penny drop about living kidney donors. I, I already knew they existed, but the, the, the connection hadn't been made in my head that you can be a living kidney donor and you'll still live, bizarrely. And as soon as that penny drops, I instantly realized, oh yeah, okay, so I can get rid of one kidney. I'll still be alive. They'll carry on and have a good life. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And it was a, a reflex reaction rather than a decision. Wow. As, as, it was literally as soon as it all slotted into place in my brain that it's a thing that can be done. It just seemed so obvious to you that, yeah, that, yeah that's what you do then. Yeah, I'm doing that if, if they'll let me do it. Um, it, it wasn't anything that I had to sit and think about, ooh, what if, all that stuff. It was just a, an automatic gut reaction. Kind of to the point where I decided to do it and uh, set up part of the process and actually hadn't told my husband. Or I, I think ah. I told him, but I hadn't asked him <laughs> about it. I yeah. Just, I'm off to do this. And then yeah. some at my workplace, I was telling them about it. And they said, what does Steve think about it? I was like, actually. <laughs> like, good <really> question. <laughs> <laughs> So how did it. how did you how did you bring it up to him then? Um, I, I just sort of explained that I'd seen that this was possible, and I was going to do it. And literally asked him if he had any concerns or any reason why he wouldn't want me to do. And that apart from the regular, you're having an operation, you might die kind of concern. Um, there was nothing specific. It was he was all for it and fully supportive, and everyone that I spoke to was as well. Oh, that's very good. I was, I was quite pleased. And a few people said that it was a surprise, but sort of not unexpected thing for me to do, which was quite nice to hear. Oh, so they obviously think of you as quite a sort of giving person then. That's nice. Well, whereas I view myself as a cold-hearted, mean arsehole. Oh, no, do you? <laughs> I, think you've, uh, I think you've done the definitive proof that that's not, that's not yeah. the case. Yeah. Um, so did he, like, uh, did your husband get it or did he just accept that it was something you wanted to do? Uh, no, I think he understood why yeah. and, and got the, the, the pros of it for me and obviously the recipient. Um, yeah. But I don't really think there was, I'd, I'd showed him everything that I'd um, researched online, mainly through the Give a Kidney website. Um, and also through the, the hostel in Birmingham where I donated from their information. Um, I showed him all that information so that he was as pretty much informed as I was. Uh, so I guess your first protocol then, did they take bloods, find out your tissue type, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, it was, um, it was quite a good kind of induction up at the hospital because there was, I think, four or five potential uh, donors there, a little group meeting with the coordinator and a nurse, literally explaining what the whole process was. Um, it was quite nice. One of the people there had her mum with her because the the potential donor, she was just anxious about sort of being in a, a group situation like that. It was quite mm. nice that you could have that support with you. Um, mm. I was I was quite happy to tootle along myself. Um, and they gave you sort of 
it must have maybe been about an hour's chat and information about everything which I was already fully informed about. So there wasn't anything brand new to me at that point. And then you had the option of, do you want to go away and think about it? Or we can start the process of taking your blood, your measurements and that sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, I'm here. Might as well do it because you've still not told me anything that's saying to me, oh, don't do it. You're an idiot. Um, wow. And that's where it, it sort of started from. So I'd first seen the article in the BBC site in January 2018. Um, I got in touch with the hospital within a couple of days. I couldn't get seen to them. They didn't have a session until about the March. Um, and it wasn't until uh, January 2019 that I just got through to like the approval. I could go into the first matching run. Wow. So how did that time feel? Did that feel sort of frustrating? Oh, did you just want to God. get it done? or? Yeah, I wanted to get it done. I was astounded how slow it was. And that right. was really frustrating. I understood that there had to be certain tests to be done and you've got to make sure that you're the right sort of physical person and mental as well. Um, but it just I'd really felt like, hey, I've got a kidney here. I want to give you yeah. it. Yeah. It was almost yeah. like they were holding me back. How do you think they could sort of speed that up? What was the issue? Was there a particular issue? Um, I think it was just availability of staff at their end to do the various tests. My uh, work is a, a random 24-7 shift pattern, so I actually happened to be available every single time that they needed me. Right. So it wasn't that I was sort of slowing things down at all, inadvertently even. Um, I just, I almost feel like they could have condensed more of it into mm. a single day, mm. almost. I get that some of it they had to allow time for to pass. Yeah. And you don't necessarily want to go on to do another part of the testing stage if you're going to fail at an earlier point, because you're spending money on this next bit, which mm. you needn't if you failed in an earlier mm. test. Mm. So I get that aspect. Because... I'd say that was probably the most frustrating thing about it was just the, the sitting and waiting to come on. Let's get this done. I think there's a lot of, um, there's been a lot of looking at these sort of efficiencies during um, coronavirus within the NHS. Mm. So in terms of now, A, do we really need to see the patient? And I think if you're having blood tests and whatever done, then yeah. yeah. But also what else can we do while they're here? You know, really speeding it along, cutting out any of the waiting just because it's been made apparent to us for all this that's gone on, that you need to maximise that time that you've actually got the patient in front of you because, well, right now we're not wanting as many people to mix as as, yeah. um, as was doing before. So that might be one good thing to come out of all this, um, mm. that these things get a bit more efficient. How was your, how was your job with it when you sort of said, because the recovery time can be up to 12 weeks, can it? Yeah. Yeah. So how did that conversation go? Uh, they were fine. I was actually initially told oh, it would be about a fortnight recovery. Right. Okay. So that's what I went, <laughs> yeah, no. That's what I went to work with. So, yeah. yeah, this is the plan. And they tell me it'll be a couple of weeks. And um, um, work were totally fine. Um, it had to go down as just any old sick leave. There wasn't any right. category for it. They double checked with the HR department, but they said it's it's the same as if I had any other operation. It went down as that. I ended up having uh, sixteen weeks, I think, off. Yeah, I'd realised after about the the twelve week mark, 
um, they were starting to push and put a little bit of pressure on me to come back. Right. And I know that physically I could have gone and done the job because it's, it's a desk-based job. So there's no physical effort involved from that perspective. But then having had the extra four weeks off and gone back then at that point, I realized, yeah, I could have gone and done my job, but I'd been wiped out for the rest of the day. Even, and I was going back on, um, what do you call it? Reduced hours to start with. So I was phased in. So the recovery was quite hard then. I don't necessarily think that I milked it. Oh no, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) I I would say it was more a case of I took advantage of the opportunity to make sure that I was sort of fully ready to go back. I totally get that, yeah. Um, I think, although an outsider would say, God, you took another four weeks off and you could have been back four weeks ago. Having gone through that, I now understand that, yeah, I did make the right decision, despite the pressure from work, because... Um, they have a, a stage policy when you've been off after a certain period, they have to do certain yeah. things irrespective. Yeah, get that. So that was one of the things that started to come into play. Um, and some of the senior management were kind of saying, well, you told us initially two weeks, it's now been 12 weeks. What's going on here? But my direct line manager was fully supportive. Okay, that's good. Uh, no, I totally get that. I mean, you can return to work, can't you? Be like, like you're there in body, you're not there in spirit and you're not sort of being productive or able to make the sort of decisions that you normally would and it's 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 not worth it you're sort of there for the sake of it you're there for the wrong reasons just to like you say mm-hmm. prove willing and like who are you proving it to you know yeah. no I, to- I totally get that so how how do you feel now do you feel fully recovered yeah totally totally absolutely um, yeah you wouldn't yeah. know the difference that I'd say the only thing it seems to have done to me is buggered up my internal thermostat. Um, sometimes I can be baking for no reason, and other times I just can't get warm. Okay. That, that's the only thing that I feel like is, seems to have changed. Yeah. I certainly noticed it particularly when I was off recuperating, but that I put more down to, well, I've just had me inside, so I'll jiggled around, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a yeah, little <laughs> Yeah, it should never see the light of day, and yeah, it's had someone in there juggling. Yeah, I think the tricky, the tricky thing is, is that obviously through this sort of podcast and putting this together, we, I, I want to tread a line between sort of not quite encouraging people because it doesn't, mm. it doesn't feel quite right somehow. To it's not like giving blood, you know, where you might feel woozy at, at most for one evening mm. and you get some free biscuits, so you're more than sort of remunerated. Um, this feels a step beyond that to the point where it wouldn't feel quite right to encourage people, especially, especially as my, you know, I've got both my kidneys and they've never really given serious thought to, to giving one of them away. Hmm. Um, which is quite funny given, so I, I'm a molecular biologist. So I work, yeah. I work on kidney research and, um, you sort of wonder if I could have a lot more impact just giving one of my kidneys away than, uh, than beavering away on the sort of molecular biology of it for however long. So it, it's a, what I think what I want to do is just say it's an interesting question and here's the information, but how, how do you feel about it? Do you feel a bit evangelical about it or is it very personal, do you think? Um, I think before I had the op, I did keep it really quite quiet. There's only a, a few select people that are told. And part of that was in case it didn't happen at the very last minute. So I didn't want to get other people all built up about it for them to be a massive plumbing because mm-hmm. I'd have to cope with that myself. Mm, mm. Afterwards, I'm certainly very open about talking about it. 
I don't necessarily feel like a, a go around talking about it all the time. It would probably be more of my friends and colleagues will make a fun comment about, oh, X, Y, Z is happening. And well, you've only got the one kidney, obviously. Um, so I'm certainly not shy about talking about it in public. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's something we, uh, you know, should be actively encouraging or is it, is it, is it a bit sacrosanct for that? Um, I think because it's got a better success rate than deceased, mm. I think it should be pushed more. Mm. Even if it's just education to get people's brain to click like-minded at the point where you suddenly realise, yes, I can give a kidney and I will still be mm. alive and I'll be fine. For mm. them to then go on and think, oh yeah, okay, then have that informed decision. Mm. I've got to say, talking to you guys about it, my it's not something I'd ever paid any attention to before, really. And and now I'm sort of thinking, is there a good reason not to? Mm. That's the way it sort of flipped <laughs> my thinking. Um, yeah. And I've got to say, and you know, I'll, I'll I'll include these thoughts on the podcast. And, and you know, I don't know if they're right or wrong. My my first knee jerk is, uh, what if what if a family member of mine? Yeah. Yeah. But I guess if you've already given it and the time comes up, say that my dad needs a kidney or whatever, then mm. I'm just not going to be tested because I'm like, mate, I'm already down to one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you'd never know. You'd never know whether you were a match or not because you just, you wouldn't get tested at that time. Yeah. And also, if it becomes much more commonplace, then if I've given a kidney now, say, and a family member needs one in 20 years' time or whatever, someone else the culture of hey none of us need two kidneys you know and there's just this massive pool of um altruistic donated kidneys so yeah i'm working through these thoughts to try and think yeah. is there a good reason not to I, I can certainly understand why people say no i don't want to yet and very much like you said in case family member needs it and i found that especially from parents of mm. younger kids Mm. They're, they're constantly thinking clearly that's their main focus about their kids. What if my kid needed one? I might be the, the one that can do it. And yeah. I'm never going to be the sort of person, and I don't think anyone would, that would say, oh, how bloody selfish of you. Someone else might need it before your kid. That's for that, that individual to make that decision. The way I kind of look at it is that, if anything, I've, I've paid it forward. Um, my brother-in-law has got some sort of renal problems, which in time might mean that he will need uh, a kidney himself. And yeah, I could be a match now. I could be a match in, in when he needs it. But hey, someone else has benefited from that interim. Does your husband think about doing it? Or is he sort of like, no, it's cool. It's cool for you to do it. I totally appreciate you wanting to do it, but it's not mm. for me. Is that How does he feel? I, th I think he's... Um, only at the stage of considering it if it, it's his brother is my brother-in-law. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And I guess so, if I guess if they've got an active kidney disease, then that's yeah much more worthwhile than the hypothetical, isn't it? Yeah. So he's, he's, he's holding off in the in case of from that perspective, um, and he's he's more fearful of operations himself. So mm. I think it's a don't do something that's gonna make him feel rubbish. Yeah, 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 that's totally fair enough. Just wow, it's so 
it was such a pleasure to speak to these 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 two fellas about their experiences and it really did get me thinking myself seriously about um, whether or not I should donate um, one of my kidneys um, and I suppose that was the point you know I spoke to each of them about the personal nature of this and it's it isn't quite the same as encouraging people to give blood you know it's a much more involved process um, and you know we've got both ends of the spectrum there in terms of recovery time you know um, one one range of recovery times from two weeks up to 12 weeks and then there's obviously implications for your job and your work and your life around that so it's not an easy decision to make um, it was nice to hear that there's lots of psychological support along the way uh, and rightly so and that uh, both of our participants are uh, you know faring well these days and, and sort of wouldn't really know the difference if you feel like giving a kidney is too big uh, and it probably is for most people. Then you can also consider helping Kidney UK in a much more manageable way uh, by setting up a small monthly direct debit or consider being something what we call a legacy donor. Um, and these small ways of funding the charity I'm going to cover in our next episode. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, the charity sector has been hit particularly hard by um, the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and yet the problems caused by kidney disease, um, you know, the impact on patients, their families, uh, and the research goes on, uh, continues unabated. Um, but unfortunately in this world all these things take money. So in the next episode we're going to cover, like I say, um, how perhaps we could help Kidney Research UK uh, in a much more manageable way. Although of course if you give it a lot of thought and feel like giving a kidney uh, is the right thing for you, then, uh, then certainly get in touch with the relevant charities. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. Um, but in the meantime, thank you very much, take care, and I will see you on the next one. Ta-ra!